and one. So welcome back to the pod of many things, everyone. Whoever you are, whenever you are, wherever you are, we're back. And today we're talking about some mechanical madness. We're talking about Mecha Hack with the designer Matt Click. And we're back to the normal podcast format now after our Tasha's coverage that seemed to go on forever, but is alive and well and it's done. And if you want to check that out, we've chopped it up into different little bite-sized chunks for you on our channel. Um, you might not hear a lot from Leon this episode because he's having some uh, internet issues, but he's still here. He's uh, taking a more producer standpoint and he's going to be like sending, shooting me messages, giving me ideas and stuff in the Hello. chat. So hopefully he won't drop out too much, but we're talking about creators and their products again this week. We're talking to Matt Click. So, hey, Matt, how are you doing? Um, I'm doing well. Good to have good to be here. Thank you very much. I know that uh, time difference no thin, you're on a tight schedule, so we really appreciate you coming here. So for those people who don't know, Matt Click is from Absolute Tabletop and is the creator of uh, Mecha Hack, which has recently had its first uh should we say like expansion or um secondary yeah. source book? Yeah, it's sort of like a supplement or a splat book, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Um supplement crowdfunded on Kickstarter. So we now have Mecha Hack and Mecha Hack the Mission Manual. It was kickstarted in 24 hours, wasn't it, Matt? Yeah, yeah, we hit our we hit our goal in 24 hours, and we um, we actually hit our last stretch goal uh, last week, and we're we're still going strong. So, yeah, if you uh, are interested, uh, please check it out. It's a it's a lovely system. I've just backed it today to get both the physical copies of the Mecha Hack core book and. Uh, the Mecha Hack Mission Manual. It's 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 just something I need in my life, apparently. But it's lovely <laughs> to meet you, Matt. And um, could you tell us a bit about yourself, about your uh, history in tabletop RPGs and stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so I started playing tabletop RPGs when I was uh, around 11 years old. I got started with the old uh, Star Wars D6, the West End Games edition of the game, uh, which remains one of my favorites uh, to this day. Um, and uh, eventually started playing like D&D and Savage Worlds and uh, just sort of constantly uh, trying out new systems and new games and uh, building my own stuff and running games for my friends and my family and um, in college, starting a game group and stuff. And um, after after college, uh, came out with a degree in English and was kind of struggling, wondering what to do with it. <laughs> and uh, started freelancing, working in tabletop games. Uh, my first uh, freelance job was with Fantasy Flight Games, uh, working on their board games, uh, Descent expansions and things like that. Um, oh, wow. And uh, then eventually working with um, Wizards, Chaosium, Green Ronin, um, Artalsorian, and a few others. Um, and uh, now Tabletop Games is it's my full time job. It's what I what I do for my work. So, um, in addition to uh, doing editing and writing and uh, development for uh, various publishers, I am also a co founder of Absolute Tabletop, and uh, that's uh, where I am publishing uh, the Mecha Hack and its uh, follow up uh, mission manual. Wow, fucking hell! Like, sorry, like <laughs> I, I didn't realize that your CV was like that packed with like those sorts of people. That's amazing. Like, and uh, um, how how was it working for some of those like massive companies like Green Ronin, famous for mutants and masterminds and stuff like that? Uh, yeah, Wizards, obviously. Yeah, it's it's great working with uh, these companies, and and um, I've over the years I've you know developed professional relationships with a lot of the the people who sort of manage the freelance end of things um so uh, you know these are people that i uh work with on sort of a weekly basis and um working with these big companies on on big properties is, is always really exciting and really fun and i always kind of have this sort of uh you know i <laughs> i'm like how did i get here how like are they really trusting me with this like i i worked on um there was a Witcher book uh, with Artal Sorian that's coming out. That's like an adventure book with a bunch of Witcher adventures in it. And like working on an official, you know, Witcher property was just like, I felt like, ah, I don't know. I don't know if I should be doing this. Like this is, this is, this feels important, but um, it's always really fun. And um, it's something that I just sort of like stumbled into. I started doing it kind of for fun and, and now it's my job. So um, I'm definitely fortunate in that regard. So. 
that's amazing um what uh, just because i'm nosy i don't know yeah, if that's no, a british sure. thing or anything but um <laughs> like what's what would you say is the biggest thing you've ever worked on as a freelancer what's like the biggest thing you've ever worked on um, so probably uh, I worked on um, Dungeon of the Mad Mage uh, with Wizards of the Coast. I was one of the editors on that massive book. So there were a team of about three or four editors working on that book. Um, each of us took on about 20 of the levels um, in the dungeon. So I worked on a bunch of that, uh, which is really cool. I worked on um, the third edition of Arkham Horror with Fantasy Flight. That was really cool. Wow. Um, because that was like one of the first board games that I played that wasn't like Monopoly. You know what I mean? Like I, I, it was oh, yeah, the first yeah. board game I played where I was like, oh, wow, board games can be cool. Like this is cooperative and fun and and dark and there's monsters and stuff. So working on uh, the third edition of the game was really, really cool. Um, and uh, let's see, what else? Honestly, the working on the Witcher book was really cool. I worked on... Um, uh, what Cubicle 7 was gonna come out with a second edition of their One Ring RPG. Um, oh, yeah. I actually, I actually worked on that. I did some writing for that. Um, but then they lost the license before they published it, and that was a huge bummer. But people were saying really that cool. was massive, like, that was a massive, like, wasted opportunity. Like, oh, my that God. Yeah. RPG, the first edition of that was apparently really good. And then. Yep the the second edition people were like really hyped for it and then the license went and everybody's like no because they knew it was in development so that must yeah be oh it was it was awful because it's like uh there i mean people had already pre-ordered the book so the company had to you know refund all of this money and stuff to people and uh i just remember being so bummed like i got the email from uh my uh contact over there and he was like hey i'm just letting you know like we lost the license and so your stuff isn't going to be published and it was just like oh no like it was such a blow but uh, I guess, um, is it Modifius that picked it up, I think? Yeah, uh, I think so. I think, yeah, I'll, I'll look so, into it. Yeah, I think if someone else picked it up and they're going to be publishing it, I have no idea if they're using the stuff that was already written or if they're starting from the ground up, but it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Definitely, definitely, especially yeah. with, like... Oh, sorry, pardon me. Um, oh, you, what you guys would have put into it. Um, you've also yeah. won an any which is massive so would you mind explaining to people what an any is and like what you won that for it's a real accomplishment i think i kind of wanted to signal boost that because i think people should take pride in what they've done oh awesome yeah thank you um yeah so uh the ennies are uh they're these annual awards put on by en world which is a, a pretty well-known uh tabletop site and um it's they usually host it at gen con every year um obviously that didn't happen this year so they did a, a virtual uh, stream, but um, Ennies are basically um, you you submit products for Ennies. So if you are a publisher, if you're a designer, you can submit a product for consideration in the Ennies, and your product goes out to this panel of judges. The judges sort through all of the entries and nominate products for certain categories. So there's like best adventure, best art, you know, best maps, things like that, um, and then. Uh, everyone votes on it so it's a it's an open voting sort of thing where um anyone can can log on and vote on the various categories so um i worked on a book called iron sworn delve uh which is um oh iron sworn that's big yeah it's a supplement for the iron sworn game um which is a, a really amazing uh powered by the apocalypse um game and uh Iron Sworn Delve, I worked on as a writer and an editor, and uh, it won a Silver Any this year for uh, best best product. So that was really cool to actually. Uh, we've I've, I've been nominated a few times for various products that I've worked on, but to actually win one was was really really cool, really good feeling. Um, and I actually I got the medal and the mail and stuff, so it felt very very official. <laughs> That's amazing. That's that must be. Like for someone who's who's gone from uh, freelancing to um, still kind of freelancing, but having something like cemented in the Ennies is, is pretty right. cool. That's amazing. Yeah. We um we've talked about with other um, people like uh, we've had somebody from Versus Studios. We talked about mm -hmm. um, their their company as well before we started talking about the product, so that people could get to know their company and stuff like that. And I wondered, like you mentioned, Absolute Tabletop. You're one of the founders of it. Um, mm -hmm. How did that come about? Because on your website it says that you just went from a bunch of friends playing D and D to this indie publisher 
with now a successful um, kick, Kickstarter, a successful products, like a range of products as well, if you look at your mm-hmm. um, website. Um, how did that come about? How have you managed to grow from this just group of mates playing D&D to now being an international company now? Right. Um, yeah, so we uh, we started... Well, it was actually, it was funny. It was uh, right around when 5th edition came out. And um, I was running a YouTube channel at the time uh, and was trying to get some people together for a game to try out the new edition of D&D and uh, host it on my YouTube channel. And so I kind of reached out to some other creators in this little community that I was a part of um, who I thought would be good players and who I, I kind of felt like I, I jived with sort of on a, a, a emotional level when I watched their videos. I was like, you know, these guys seem cool. I reached out to them and um, got this this game together and uh, it was intended to be a one-shot game, just sort of a, a one-off, um, but my internet cut out right before the game ended and so we didn't get to finish it. And so I was like, okay, well, we gotta we, we have to play again. And that turned into a campaign uh, called The Provokers, which is... Um, Pretty, pretty popular D&D live play. At, at the time, there wasn't a ton out there, so it, it kind of, it was popular at the time. Obviously, there's a ton of other streams out there that are wildly popular now. It just pales in comparison, but uh, at the time, it was pretty cool. We would have people show up and watch us and stuff, and um, we just really uh, found ourselves really enjoying not just playing with one another, but also just chatting and hanging out and playing different games together and stuff, and um Eventually, we decided to meet up in person, uh, and so we we all kind of uh, pooled some money together and um, flew out to. We had everyone fly out to Washington um, and hang out at my house for a few days, and we just had such a good time. And it was uh, after that trip that um, we kind of were like, well, "What if we did something kind of official? Like, what if we what if we worked on something together?" And we kind of started noodling on some on some different ideas and some different pro- uh, projects that we wanted to do and I had tried so many times previously to like write adventures or you know design a game and it's just doing it on your own is, is so so difficult um I can imagine and, that actually yeah 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 it's just it's it's such a weight to carry by yourself and you have uh you know you know no one helping you out no one to bounce ideas off of uh it's, it's just it makes it really really difficult so we started working on some stuff together and we decided to kind of do it for real and so we we founded an llc uh absolute tabletop and started publishing products and um we started out just doing these little sort of adventures uh, you pay what you want supplements for DD. um and then eventually we started doing kickstarters um and our first kickstarter was a book called oath of the frozen king which is um it's an adventure kit and Adventure kits are kind of like their adventure modules with all the like various pieces kind of broken out into these modular pieces. So you can kind of fit them together however you want. So you can take, uh, you know, this encounter and and put it in this location and include this monster um, and really kind of craft your own adventure. And that did really well on Kickstarter and garnered us a lot of attention. And uh, that's what we got our, our first any nomination was for that that book. Um, and then since then, we've just kind of been continually uh, every year doing a couple of Kickstarters, putting out products, um, and just really enjoying working together. Uh, we have a really awesome working relationship, and uh, I think we do some some pretty cool stuff. So, and in the last couple of years, we've really managed to um, we've been able to bring on other people. We've been able to hire freelancers of our own, and that's a really cool feeling because. That's how I got my start was, you know, just working for companies, doing writing, doing editing. And so it's cool to be able to people to get them work, get them paid work and get credits, you know, in their portfolio for various books. So, oh, no, that's uh, amazing because yeah. it's almost like you're, you're like coming full circle, like you're giving somebody the opportunities that you were given. Exactly. Yeah. Place. Yep. And that feels really cool. So that's that's that sounds insane because I like. Um, your products look really good like they they look really well designed um from what i've looked at um uh, especially with my like kind of small obsession with mecha hack and reading over Mm -hmm. it like you've got (laughs) some great art in there um you've got some great art in there by someone who i don't really know really well but one of our friends uh ben who has a youtube called the flickering torch he uh he says that he also did the art for 
uh, ICRPG. Or yes, his... yeah, he's actually the designer of ICRPG. Yeah, the designer, yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah mm -hmm. so he's he's like Ben's favourite person, he was going on about yeah. it. So, <laughs> um, he's, he was saying, like, for this to happen, like, it obviously shows your quality because you've been able to get somebody of this calibre. So, I'm, right. I'm, I think uh, for you to be able to, like, do that i think is is amazing so yeah yeah it's a really good feeling um it, what about like so not everybody could do this because like i think what, what you say is really good like you had to like get each each other be in each other's company get all together like mm -hmm. establish a really good working relationship and you're still friends i'm guessing even though you're you're members of i don't know how uh, your company runs if you're all members of the board and equal investors or yada yada but like how do you stop that work relationship getting in the way of like your friendship like because i yeah. can imagine that you get frustrated with each other especially when you've got a cool idea or somebody else has got a cool idea and then everybody else is just like now we can't do that right now or something else but like, should i be offended by this addison <laughs> no no i'm just saying like i'm just saying like i can i can imagine that like because we do this and there's no like stakes right there's no, like money right. involved we do this out of the love of it um but i can imagine when if me and you were doing this leon and it, the money was involved and we'd invested money and uh our, our livelihoods depended on it i could imagine that we would get a bit like so how do you stop that from happening yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a really good question. And honestly, the the answer is that you can't really stop it from happening because there are going to be conflicts that arise. And um, we're very open about the fact that we do we do have arguments. We do <laughs> every every few months we have something that comes up where we get really mad at each other and we have some sort of argument and one of us goes off and uh, has to leave the chat or whatever, you know, <laughs> to kind of cool off. Um, and yeah. I think that, you know, that can be healthy um, because every every conflict that we've we've ever had <clears throat> has led to something good within the company, some sort of change that needs to happen. Um, and, you know, I liken it almost to a, a romantic relationship where it's like if you're not arguing with your partner from time to time, that's kind of not good because it means that there's you know, that you're not invested enough to be passionate about the 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 relationship and it's the same thing with a working relationship where if you're heated if you're passionate if you're if you feel strongly about something that's that's good um but the but the key is to argue efficiently and productively and so we've we've really found a way to be able to have those kinds of conflicts um and we we do argue sometimes about money or how money is spent or where money should be going or how much we should be paying ourselves and all of that just comes down to having a conversation. And um, we've learned to, you know, if we're talking in our in our WhatsApp or whatever, and we're just typing back and forth, we'll say, okay, this needs to be a conversation. So we need to stop talking in text and get into a Zoom and, and actually talk, you know, face to face, so to speak. Um, so we've we just learned over over the years how to how to do that and handle how to handle it productively. And um, I think you know we're all adults and we all uh have siblings and family members and significant others that we uh have experience with having conflict with so it's uh it just sort of works out that we all are reasonable people even if we're arguing and, and having conflict so yeah so leon i think next time we have an argument what i'm hearing here is we need to min max our arguing like, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. when we go and hammer and tongs at each other we need to make sure that we've got like uh max stats in the right places and stuff like that yep, but exactly. no. yeah exactly um, quite concerning because you're taller than me <laughs> but, um in terms of in terms of like art and stuff like uh the art's really great on a lot of your do you have like in-house artists or uh do you have yes. like freelance yeah so we contract out all of our art um we have uh sort of like a, a stable of artists that we work with on a very regular basis um and we've kind of developed those relationships again over the years as we've worked with them um and uh that has been really cool too because i i'm somebody who i'm not an artistic person i i um you know, I like doodling every now and then, but I can never get the things that are in my head onto the paper in a in sort of like a, a physical rendition of them. And so, Can't relate, bro. Not at all. I yeah. mean, that doesn't happen to me at all. It doesn't hurt. So I know you're paying, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is, honestly, that's probably the coolest thing. Um, and I, it never gets old is you 
you know, commission these pieces of art and you get the art back from the artist and it's somehow not what you expected, but better. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, um, oh yeah, it's everything you wanted, but it's everything you also didn't know you wanted at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. Because you realize that my brain, like my brain doesn't work like that. Like when I, when we work with Hank, our artist for Mecha Hack, when he creates these Mecha designs, I would have never thought of that. I would have never thought to shape a Mecha that way or give it that weapon or make it, you know, make the limbs look that way. And so, that has I, I really like delegating stuff like that and just being like here's a phrase that i wrote you know big chunky mecha with a great sword can you make that cool like can you do a cool thing for that and just having them make the thing that you can't and then have it and put it in the book is just it's such a cool thing it's it's a really rewarding process and so that's probably my favorite part is like the working with the artists and getting the art back. Um, and I do layout for our books as well. So I get, I, you know, I have a very like intimate relationship with the art of like where it goes on the page and how it fits and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's, yeah, it's a really, really cool process. Yeah. And you can, I just, can I just comment on the aesthetic for this book for a second? Because this is yeah. one of the prettiest books I've ever seen. Oh, and thank you. it only uses three colors, black, white, and gray. Yet yep. the yeah, the artwork just feels so alive, and you can tell exactly what everything is. It feels very three uh, D, not not um, not two dimensional. It's just such a fantastic aesthetic. Thank you, I really appreciate that. Yeah, that was uh, you know a very conscious design decision when we were first when we were making the core book. Of we really wanted the art to evoke the mechanics of the book. We wanted you know people to see the book and go. This looks like a really simple hackable system. Like the art itself is very rough and stark black and white and simple, but technical difficulties there. Taking you back in three, two, one. Okay. All right. Carry on. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's just obvious. The, uh, the art is so stark and so obvious that it, tells you everything you need to know without even reading i think that's a really good way to put it so now that we're actually on mecha hack matt um you've kind of taken kickstarter by storm with this mission manual you've you've managed to get all your stretch goals accomplished to add to the mission manual you've got people like pledging you a lot of money to deliver this book to them mm-hmm. um and it must uh, feel great how are you feeling about that the fact that you've you've already published this once and then you're like actually we'll reprint it and do this supplement and that people are yeah. still that invested in this product that they're willing to um reinvest almost yeah no it's it's a it's a wonderful feeling and honestly i'm i i i have a such a hard time uh like talking myself up or uh, you know like um taking a compliment i'm very like uh self-deprecating in that way but it's like it it is very i don't know i just feel really proud of this little game and um it is very heartening that i i sort of made this game for myself i i wanted a mecha game that i could pull out and run in a couple of minutes i wanted to be able to run Gundam games for my friends or, you know, a, a battle tech game for my friends without having to pull out a 300 page book and flip through and figure out, you know, what the hell we were going to do. And so creating a system where you can build your mecha and be rolling dice and playing within five minutes was, was just something that I needed. And when I made it and I, I played it and I said, this this is actually pretty fun. This is pretty good. And I gave it to the other guys at absolute tabletop and said i think this might be good do we want to like put money towards this and get some art and actually get it made and then we put it out it was it was kind of a gamble it was the first um like non D thing that we had done or the first like non like um like traditional sort of fantasy and so it was kind of a risk for us and we we didn't kickstart that initial book we we put our own money into it and so the fact that it did so well and eventually became a platinum seller on drive through RPG and stuff was just bewildering. It was it was so cool. And it was so cool to see that people were not only running it and playing it, but also like taking it and making it their own. Like people were running Warhammer with it and Voltron and, uh, you know, Starfighter games, reskinning the mecha as Starfighters and running Starfighter games. And like that felt really cool that people liked the system enough to take it and and do something really cool with it and so 
the Kickstarter, again, it felt like a little bit of a risk uh, because, okay, it's a mecha game. It's a rules light mecha game. I don't know how in demand this is. It's also in the middle of a pandemic leading up to the holidays. Like, I don't know yeah. how this is going to do. Um, so the fact that we not only hit our funding goal, but soared past it and are now coming up on potentially 30K is, uh, it's wild. It's what it's, I haven't quite come to terms with it yet. And I think that in a couple of weeks, it'll really hit me. But right now it just feels really, really cool. So a uh, couple of things. Don't worry, we'll big you up because, and I definitely <laughs> will because of the fact that, dude, I, I genuinely did not know that I needed this in my life. <laughs> like you, you, you got me rewatching things like uh, uh, because of this, uh, and we'll talk about that later in when we go into like the mecha stuff because uh, yeah. it's the only time I'm ever going to be able to talk about this with anyone, apparently. <laughs> um, but uh, actually, speaking of the system, the fact that it's rules light, you chose the black hack system for this, which mm-hmm. um, people know is like um, a very rules light system that's kind of just out there open source almost that yeah. people take and make games with and even though it's it's simple and intuitive it's still really rich and and like mm-hmm. cool um why did you choose the black hack system for this rpg was it for that reason that it was so simple or was there something else or you know i <clears throat> it, it was really sort of kismet that i was uh, I was running a lot of Black Hack at the time when I started designing the Mecha Hack, um, and I really fell in love with that system. The Black Hack is, it's fantastic. It's it's lightweight, but there's enough there where you can feel like you, you're able to do cool stuff, and all the different monsters and the different sort of subsystems. Um, the usage die mechanic is one of my favorite mechanics of all time in any RPG. It is so fun yeah. um, and so smart, and um, I was actually, I was working with uh, David Black uh, on a project that uh, never came to fruition, but we were kind of tinkering with something, working on it together. And at the time I was like, uh, hey, has anyone ever done a mecha hack, like based on the black hack? Because there's a ton, there's a Cthulhu hack, there's a space hack, there's a uh, apocalypse hack, like there's just a ton of different variations on the black hack out there. And a lot of them are very good. but I asked him if anyone had ever done like a mecha or like a super robot uh, version of the black hack. And he was like, I don't think so. And I was like, okay, dibs, I want to do that. Like I, I would like <laughs> to create the mecha hack. Um, and Shotgun so I, I created, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Shotgun. Um, so, and he, he sort of gave me his blessing and said, yeah, go for it. Like, I don't have an issue with that. And um, so the fact that, um, I had this sort of framework, this really strong framework to work with. It was like, I basically felt like I was, I stripped away everything except for the bare bones of the system and then started building on top of it. And it was the most fun I've ever had designing a game because the systems that are in place are so easy to work with where it's like creating the- Yeah, roll under is a great system as well. Yeah, roll under, binary success. There's very few- uh, player facing roles like the G- the GM doesn't roll for the for the enemies the players roll to avoid damage um it's it's slick it's quick like it's really easy to run easy to prep for um but there's so much there to have fun with and having the usage die work for the reactors was yeah the reactor die is so cool that was when when I was writing the game and I was like, oh, the reactor should be a usage die. That was when I realized, okay, this could be good. Like I was like, it's so easy to say, okay, you can do this amazing, cool thing, but you have to roll your reactor die. It's it's like such an easy, like, I don't have to worry about how many times can you do this per encounter? How much energy does this use? How, like, what do you need to do to replenish this what ability? What resource is it? Yeah, like... Yeah, like, you don't have to worry about any of that because it's all tied to the reactor die. And so it just makes it so easy to design stuff for it. And it's it's a lot of fun when I can sit down and, like, watch a mecha show and just see something cool and go, oh, I want to put that in mecha hack and just, like, write, you know, what would that do in the mecha hack? How would that work in the system? So... The Black Hack is fantastic. I can't recommend it enough, and uh, it worked perfectly for this mecha game. I was I was going to ask you actually. And I feel like you kind of answered it, but if you if you want to um, answer it in a in a bit uh, more detail, um, I was going to say why mechas. What made you go? You know what we need? 
TP TTRPG Gundams because obviously yeah. <laughs> we've got Sword and Sorcery D and D hype. We've got Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. No matter what you yep. think about that game, like the RPG right. is is majorly like popular and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, so what made you go? You know what? I feel like I, I get it. Like you're a fan of mechas and stuff like that. But was there anything any other reason why you just kind of went mechas? That's what we need. Yeah, I honestly at the time it was it was sort of like I felt like there was it was uh there wasn't really anything like this was pre-lancer uh, lancer was being developed but it wasn't out yet um there was uh, a new edition of battletech out but i mean battletech is i love battletech but it is <laughs> yeah it's complicated it's a lots it's a spreadsheets the rpg sort of deal but um there was this this niche that there was nothing there there was no rules light mecha game and i was like this is this seems weird that there isn't a game and that, that fills this slot and it's pretty rare in game design or any sort of creative work that you kind of stumble upon like oh hold up there's a hole here i could fill this with something like this th this type of game doesn't exist and i could make it um and so it just naturally like uh me being a lifelong fan of mecha and wanting to run and play in mecha games but not having a system to be able to do it it was just sort of this thing where it was like i need to make this and our little like saying at absolute tabletop is we make what we use like we never make a product that we wouldn't use it's always stuff that you know tools that we would use at our own game tables and that's really the mecha hack is i created it for myself and it just so happened that a lot of other people <laughs> i mean like you're saying Addison, like i didn't know i needed this I feel yeah. like that was every everyone's reaction to this game is I didn't know I needed this, but here you know here it is, and I I love it so. Yeah, um, I, I feel like me and Leon have the same work ethic. I admire that. Like we we only talk about things that we find interesting. We only do right. things that we find find that we would enjoy. Um, so I I do admire that because there are, I, I can imagine that as a business there is the thing to like jump on trends like the because yeah. then you can make money and yep. like that's just a thing and um so. I, I I respect that and I admire that work ethic from Absolute Tabletop. The fact that you're like, you know what? If it, if we wouldn't use it, nah. Like we'd, we're yeah, like, yeah. That's... We we try we try not to anticipate what's going to do well, and instead just create stuff that we think is cool. And that's kind of difficult as a business sometimes because you do sort of have to anticipate what people want because you want the product to be successful, especially if you're putting money into it. But I feel like there's a balance that can be achieved where it's like. I want to create something cool that I want to use, but I also want to make it useful for the widest number of people. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was going to ask you for like the elevator pitch, but we've kind of like done that as well. So instead, what I'd like to like pivot to instead is yeah, I'm playing Lancer on Saturday uh, mm -hmm. with a couple of friends of mine, and if say somebody was offered Lancer, BattleTech, Mecha Hack what would you say sets mecha hack apart and why should they pick the mecha hack up instead of those other two games and i know you probably love those other two games like yep. um that uh lancer has uh, uh an amazing online interface uh is yes. it called CompCon? Yeah. yeah um and battletech obviously is is your classic like uh uh mecha uh tabletop rpg but why why should people go for mecha hack instead of those other two yeah absolutely it's a good question uh so for me i like i said i love lancer lancer is great it's a fantastic system the art is some of my favorite in any rpg um it has some really cool it mechanics does look good. It looks oh good. man it looks so good yeah um but the thing with lancer and the thing with with BattleTech and and uh, you know honestly any a lot of mecha ttrpgs out there is that um it requires a significant amount of buy-in from the group uh mm. you have to be able to convince your group that it's going to be worth it to sit here for an hour and a half and make characters i promise you and it's going to be worth it to have this book that's 400 pages and for certain groups that is perfect that's great because if you get a group together that wants to play lancer like you, you found the holy grail congratulations like you did it uh, but for a group that is maybe not as gung-ho to jump into something like Lancer, Mecha Hack is, I mean, you can hand someone Mecha Hack it's and like say, like yeah, it's, and 10 of it is the rules. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's yeah. so, it's so simple to 
both learn and teach where you just go, okay, pick a pilot, pick a chassis, pick a module, let's go. Like it takes literally five minutes to make a character and then you're you're rolling within minutes and you can say, okay, you're just trying to roll under your ability. So if you roll under, you succeed, boom. Like no DCs, no weird modifiers. You just, if you roll under, you succeed at the thing you're trying to do. And I think it's just, it's one of those things where people get mecha hack a lot faster than they get something like lancer um and so what i've heard from people with with mecha hack is that it's amazing for one shot games it's amazing for con games um and it's good for people who are who want to play a giant stompy robots game but aren't necessarily into like the minutiae of uh a sort of granular like mecha ttrpg yeah that makes sense because like, um, I I want to run it for our friends over at the Flickering Torch. Like I, I mm-hmm. appear on their stream. Uh, we're currently playing Blades in the Dark, and uh, we kind of take. We've said we'd take turns running a game that isn't five E, basically. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I want to run Mecha Hack for like a four shot using oh, the Lodestone yeah. Alpha setting. I was going to yes, ask for yeah. your blessing about this, but as you've just mentioned, like how simple it is. Like I thought, like like is is that something you'd like be really like behind like people showcasing your work in that way oh absolutely yeah i i i love to see it i love to see people running my games i love to see people breaking my games like just ripping the game apart and making it their own is i it's one of my favorite things because if i can inspire someone to not only run the game but homebrew it do game design of their own like that is that's the coolest thing so that is that yeah so i will come to you for ideas and maybe some uh uh assets maybe that we can use yeah. in our stream uh, and then Absolutely. hopefully um i also want to ask we've we kind of talked about the the art and how it's so sleek and stylish and um uh your input in the artists and more the fact that you just give them an, an idea and you put it on the page so uh mm. i can kind of leave that question out because we went into that because it is like we've got a copy on digital and usually mm-hmm. i don't like like the digital pdfs of books because i'm just a bit like right. i feel like i'm missing out on something like the turning of the page and like the, <laughs> totally. the vibrancy of the art and then as soon as i opened this i was like even like the front bit with like the the punk rock like devil horns i was like yeah oh no this is sick let's go <laughs> like uh, <Yeah>. so, <laughs> like, uh awesome um but okay so uh what is your favorite thing about mecha hack like your personal favorite thing either as a as the designer or as a player what what do you love about this um what makes you want to play it yeah um i think that for me i uh the thing that i really love about it is the the feeling of teamwork that comes naturally from playing this game and i don't this is completely by accident i didn't really do this on purpose but a lot of the different abilities and modules um, will affect other mecha on the team. And I don't know if it's it's just the theme of being in giant robots and working together or what, but every game I've run, every game I've played in, every game I've watched, there's like this natural camaraderie that that develops between the players where they're, they're trying to set each other up for these awesome like climactic sort of things like oh i'm gonna boost up your reactor so on your next turn you can do this or um, i'm gonna use this help action and give you an extra action or you know what like there's just this really cool sort of non-competitive cooperative thing that happens in this game and it, it i wish that i could take credit for it because it's wonderful but i i think that it's just a it's a byproduct of how a lot of the abilities work um combined with the just the theme of the game where it's like you are a, you're a fire team like you have to none of these mecha are jack of all trades you have to you're all good at something and you have to help yeah. each other out um and that is really really cool i love that feeling of like having each mecha on the fire team be good at something different and being able to like fill a role and help out their comrades yeah definitely like um that often comes with like games where you play like soldiers and stuff like that you totally yeah camaraderie i also uh, all i could think of when you said about them coming together as well as like fucking megazords man (laughs) (laughs) yeah voltron voltron like uh yeah it's uh you do naturally with like mecha stuff don't you You oh totally teamwork yeah Uh, yeah but no that's that's awesome um 
uh, let me just have a look at my questions here. Ah, this might be a yeah. good one. So, um, so you we talked about your favourite thing, and I, I don't want to phrase this as like your least favourite thing. So let's call it the most challenging thing. What do you think is the most, either the most challenging thing about Mecha Hack in terms of playing it or designing it? You can choose which way that goes. What was the most challenging thing about Mecha Hack? Yeah, um, I think probably the most challenging thing about the game is, and this this happens whenever you. Um, add stuff to a, a game that already exists is creating things that um, bloat the game a little bit or create this sense of like power creep where I don't so I'm not worried about balance I, I want to get that out there I, I don't necessarily worry about balance I don't want okay. each chassis to be as good as the other chassis necessarily because they all do different stuff and I'm not worried about that but I think just in terms of like, I don't want any of the, basically I don't want anyone to be able to like steal the spotlight from anyone else in the game mechanically. And sometimes it's difficult to design stuff, especially when you're designing things for like hundred foot tall rope, like walking tanks with like yeah. nuclear weapon launchers on their shoulders and stuff. Like it's hard to not design stuff that is too powerful, but sometimes I feel like some of the stuff that I designed for the game, it kind of pushes things a little bit too much and, and people are able to combine things in different ways to uh, deal out too much damage or take up too much of the, the spotlight during the game. Um, and this has happened in playtesting with stuff from the mission manual. And so that's why for me, playtesting is important because I, I go by gut reaction. And if I feel like, oof, this that's too much, that's too much what they just did, then I might, you know, dial it in or dial it back or whatever. But um, I, I tend to be a game designer that just kind of jumps in and, and creates something cool and doesn't necessarily think what are the implications of this with the stuff that already exists. And so that can be difficult sometimes in, in designing stuff for this game is like, you know, if I create a thing that says you get to roll an additional damage die and then somebody combines that with another thing that says you get to roll an additional damage die, all of a sudden they're rolling triple damage on their turn. And I'm like, yeah. I didn't really intend for that to happen. You know what I mean? yeah definitely like you, you you there's unforeseen consequences and i think that happens yeah. with all like tabletop rpg games there's always that one guy who can like sit there <laughs> or girl sometimes it's it's a girl in the group who's who sees everything and goes you know what if i do this this and this all in this row basically i can unzip anything that you've done yep. it's like yep uh and as a dm or a gm sometimes you're like oh no this is great and then sometimes you're like oh fuck like i've spent hours yeah this, and then suddenly like, so yeah, yeah, I can understand that. And it's it's difficult too being both game master and game designer. Where if that if that happens, like part of me is proud because I'm like, oh wow, like they totally gamed the system and like came up with this amazing combination of things. But it's your and system, so there's a exactly. critique of your system. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, yep. And part of me wants to just let it lie because it's it's mecha, it's super robots. They're you know they're supposed to be godlike at times but at other times you know it is it's still a game and i want it to not feel too overblown i guess yeah mm. yeah um so uh do you have anything else in the pipeline for mecha hack or any other projects that uh absolute tabletop are working on or are you happy kind of just to sit on this for a bit make sure this is finished and completed to a to a great standard ship it off or are you already are you a company that's like yo we've done this now let's move on to the next thing you know, we always have multiple projects that we're juggling um, because there are four of us uh, in as partners at Absolute Tabletop. And usually we're all at least working on something in the background. Um, and for me, uh, this is I mean, this is obviously the priority right now is Mission Manual uh, finishing the we got some additional writing that we need to do from the stretch goals, some additional art, mm. um, laying the book out and getting that all ready. Um, and uh, getting everything turned around for a quick delivery of, of this book. Um, but then beyond that, um, there are a few different things that we're working on. Uh, one of them, my next project is gonna be Harbinger, uh, which is a, it's 5e based, um, but it's a sci-fi fantasy. Uh, it's sort of like Star Wars, Dune, Warhammer inspired, um, okay. sort of like, low tech magic and space kind of stuff um oh, I see, I see. and all, all i'm hearing is spelljammer that's all i'm hearing yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it is it's very yeah very inspired by spelljammer we uh, can't say that of... leon that's trademarked <laughs> yeah my, well it's it's piqued my interest already so I'll, i'm certainly yes. going to be looking out for this 
we actually have, uh, if, if anyone's interested, if you go to absolutetabletop.com, there are beta rules available for free for Harbinger. It's, it's almost 100 pages of stuff, the, all the classes and all the, a bunch of enemies and um, uh, rules for ship combat and all that kind of stuff. But that's going to kind of be our next big project is Harbinger. We're likely going to kickstart that like in the latter half of, of next year. Um, but before that happens, we're working on another adventure kit. And I, I mentioned those a little bit previously in our chat here, but um, this will be our third adventure kit. And it's going to be um, it's going to be a big battle. It's called uh, the Battle for Arctur's Vault. And uh, that is going to be likely coming out the first half of 2021. We're going to be doing a Kickstarter for that as well. So and then we've got various other little projects that we're kind of tinkering with. And those may or may not manifest as the as time goes on. But Man, for now, I'm just I'm really happy to to have Mission Manual performing as well as it is, and I'm really looking forward to the, you know the holidays coming up. I'm going to take a week and not think about game design for a few days, and then uh, <laughs> and then jump back in and finish this book up. So you should you should because like yeah. you, you should be really proud of what you've done here. I think like um, well, thank you. I I genuinely wouldn't have reached out to you and stuff if I didn't think this was worth people picking up so right. I, I think this is great and i think you should be very proud of what you've done um Thank i did you. i did notice something in yeah. the book's credits and i wanted to ask you about this so there's someone else with the surname click in the book's credits well was this was this book a family affair oh yeah <laughs> so um yeah my my wife does a lot of proofreading for me and uh she is wife, man. It, that's all they're good for yes. i'm thinking i love yes. my wife Please, Jen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she is uh she's incredibly supportive of me and um she <laughs> puts up with a lot of me working late nights and working on weekends and holidays and things and um she's always just been incredibly supportive of my creative efforts um and even when i was working full-time in an office job and then coming home and working full-time doing game design on top of that uh she was there uh helping me out and uh yeah, she does a lot of proofreading and 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 sanity checking for me, and so she's <laughs> she's in the credits there. <laughs> awesome! No, that is that sounds amazing. Like I can imagine. Um, yeah, that it's uh, it's really nice to have someone support you like that. My wife, uh, yeah. yeah, I kind of I'm a teacher, so I kind of have the same thing with my wife. Like I come home, and I work, and like even when I'm in the school holidays, like I'm working and stuff yep. like that. And she's and she's totally. like late night, so yeah, I get totally get that. Um, uh, so I know that we've not got a lot of time, so uh, we will be linking Mecha Hack, uh, Absolute Tabletop, um, in the description below. But before we go, I'm sorry, Leon. I need to Is it get time? this out of my system. I need to get this Is out of my time? system. Okay, do we it. We need to talk Mecha Anime for the, like just just Yay! for I'll try, like I know I know we've only got you for say uh, I think it's another forty minutes, so we'll try and make this about 20, <laughs> 30 minutes if we can. I promise, <laughs> um, but because no one's ever going to be able to talk about this with me, so um, <laughs> um, you're obviously a Mecha fan, a, me me yes. a Mecha anime fan. What was the first Mecha anime you ever watched? Uh, so the first one was uh, was Robotech Macross. Uh, uh, yeah. I, that was the first one I saw, and then the one that really changed my life, though the one that set me on the path, was Gundam Wing. Ah, uh, fair enough. So mine was yeah. uh, the first one I ever saw was actually uh, uh, I think it was Ava, like first time around. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, and then, but I didn't really understand it, so I was a bit like, oh, just getting the fucking robot. Yeah, and then <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then. Yeah. Um, because you've got like the best job in the world not realizing and then i think the same one that changed my life and you're probably gonna lo look down on me a little bit here is zoids like, oh I no zoids love is great zoids. i love zoids I yeah i love zoids with all my heart like i, I genuinely yeah. like get up early in the morning and be like yeah this is great um yeah, yeah and then as a, and i kind of forgot about it i kind of put my mecha like obsession to the back of my mind for a long time and then the yeah. Pacific Rim movies came out, and I was like, "Oh, oh yep. shit!" I remembered how much I love this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, what about uh, what 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 do you think is is the best mecha anime for people to watch? Like giant uh, robot anime for people to watch if they want to yeah. get into it. Yeah, if you if you're looking to just like grok the genre, like it's it's oh man, it's so tough to recommend one because. Like I don't think people realize, but like within Mecca, there's like subgenres. Like it's like oh, yeah. it, it goes, 
it goes really deep where it's like okay there isn't just it's not just mecha there's like there's military mecha there's like super robot mecha there's like power rangers style mecha like there's all you know this all all this stuff but uh if i were to recommend like one series it would probably be um mobile suit gundam oh ms team and the reason why I recommend this to people is because a it's nice and short. It's like 12 episodes. So it's, it's really easy. It's not a huge uh, commitment to, to watch the series, mm-hmm. but also it has a lot of the tropes of Mecca, but it still feels grounded because it's like, it's like regular soldiers, right? Like in mm-hmm. these, in these Gundam suits, it's not like, uh, they're not psychic. They're not cybernetic. They're not superheroes. They're just like people and it really focuses on the effects of the war and the interpersonal relationships between not only the pilots on the team, but also the enemy pilots that they're facing. Um, and it's just a great series. It has amazing action. There's there's this uh, two-part episode later in the series where they have this gigantic battle in a, a ruined, bombed-out city. And it's like for me it is the like quintessential mecha combat like when i run mecha hack and there's a combat happening i want it to look like that yeah i want it to be the bombed out buildings and the shooting from behind cover and the like tight alleyways where you can't really escape and stuff like that like it's just it's it's great so oh ms team is the one that i would recommend over uh pretty much anything else I think my recommendation is is another Gundam one, admittedly, because Zoids is good, but it's a bit of a commitment. Um, yep. Um, and I think this one's not as much of a commitment, and if you wanted to, you could stop after the first season. Not that you should, but you could if you really mm-hmm. wanted to, because it ties up nicely. But And I've just watched it recently in preparation for this, pretty much. Uh, Iron-Blooded Orphans. Yeah, it's great. It's so good. I cried a really man good. here. I was like, yep. and it's like, oh, this is so good. So yeah, yeah. Uh, Iron Blooded Orphans is is fantastic. I love that series, and it's it's really great because it's its own story. It's not connected yeah. to anything else in the Gundam universe, and so you can watch it knowing literally nothing about Gundam or Mecha, and and exactly. still understand what's going on. Yeah, and it's not even though it has like some of those themes that are quite heavy, it's not as heavily shoved down your throat as say like Ava. Which everybody totally. goes, yeah, watch Ava first. I'm like, are you on crack? Uh, like, <laughs> I don't, like, I don't think uh, Evangelion should be your first mecha show no, for sure. Yeah, especially yeah. the old one because then you get yes. the, that weird scene with with Oscar yep. in the hospital and you're like, what? Like, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and then everybody's like, well, you could always watch Rebuild. I'm like, Rebuild Free is like dog turd. Like, yeah. it makes no sense. Like, yep. so yeah. Um, uh, I I think those are two really good uh, things there. But if you want one that's a bit more like campy and a bit more pulpy, I think Zoids is probably the best one I could. Zoids imagine. is really fun, yeah, yeah and it has it, it has really cool mecha designs in it too. Yeah, because like there are bits where it gets really serious, but then there's like that one season that's like it's a sport, and you're like, oh, yep. no, that's sick. Like, um, so yeah, uh, that's uh, probably my recommendation. So. Um, Gundam, Away First Team, and and uh, Iron Blooded Orphans. If you want to get into Mecha, what's your yeah. favorite like Mecha suit you've ever seen? Like it could be oh, from anything. It can be from video games, uh, from uh, anime. It could be from a live action film that's been made. Like Pacific yeah, Rhythm. I think uh, I I have two. Can I cheat and do two? You sure? Sure. Okay. So. I think the first one, the, well, the first mecha design that I really, really fell in love with was um, Tall Geese from Gundam Wing. Yeah. Uh, because Tall Geese was so big and imposing, and the design of the helmet and the, the thrusters on the back and the big, like, bazooka cannon was just so cool looking. I, I'd, like, never seen anything like it, and having it be so much bigger than the Gundams was such a smart choice because it made it seem just like out of this world strong, just like crazy strong where it could go yeah, toe-to-toe it was with like, the Gundam. Yeah, it was, it was imposing, wasn't it? It was yeah, it yeah. genuinely for when the heroes came up against Torgis, 
like that you or when you saw tall geese on the battlefield that oh shit we might lose like, like yeah. the guys i'm rooting for will lose might lose exactly right. yeah and it, it helped that Toggies had it had a cool pilot with uh zex marquise which was you know that he's kind of the char asnable of gundam wing um so he was like a cool pilot cool mecha like just really neat design and a really imposing bad guy um it's sort of like the darth vader of gundam like just like this really distinct signature bad guy look um really love that and then I have to give uh, uh, an honorable mention, though, to uh, Escaflone. <clears throat> um, oh, yeah, yeah. Escaflone, is, it's, it's unique in that it's a fantasy mecha. So it's it's like dragons and airships and knights rather yeah. than, you know, space and, and lasers and stuff. But Escaflone was, is this really neat-looking mecha where it's built out of, like, dragon bones. And so it has this almost, like, skeletal appearance and it can transform into a dragon, which is always neat. But I just, I love the the knightly look of Escaflone with like the cloak and stuff. And then when mm. it transforms, the cloak becomes the membrane of the wings. It's just like yeah. really neat, really neat design, really well thought out design. Definitely. Um, my favorite, I'll do two as well. My favorite one and, um, and uh, an honorable mention. So my honorable mention I'm going to do is for that weird Count of Monte Cristo anime that they did. Gang oh, yeah. That had yeah. like that that jewel scene with the two mecha in that just you're right. just like what that that what like when did that become a thing <laughs> like that was that was sick because um, like that that anime was just really stylized anyway. So when those really, came in, yeah. you were you're like oh no this is sick. So that's my yeah. um, that's my honorable mention. And uh, actually the 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 one that I'm my favorite one and it's always been my favorite one it's from a video game yeah i can't i can i never know how to say it though so i'm just gonna google it i think it's jihuity from um from uh jihuity uh from zone of enders oh the yeah, orbital frame yeah, yeah, from yeah. zone of enders um yep. jihuity is is just i i got i think i got a demo for that with my ps2 way yeah. back when for zone of enders and i was like oh it was in my metal gear solid 2 oh yeah yeah it came with the zone of enders konami like and i was like oh no this is dope <laughs> yeah and, like the way it spoke and like the the design of it and like the third person thing i, yep. I that's always stuck with me and like um when i when i when i've gone back i've like but how does it compare to zone of enders though and then you're like oh right. no that's cool <laughs> uh yeah. then yeah and then i think the command wolf from zoids was another one that i really loved um yeah. just because it was just a wolf with a fucking mass off cannon on its back like yo dude. yeah <laughs> you can't go, you can't go wrong you can't go wrong no yeah. So, yeah i uh i actually just recently played zone of enders i had never played it before um oh, i kind of wow. like I, I i don't know how i just like missed missed zone of enders and so i, I actually picked it up for I think it was like a they came out with like a, a dual pack on the 360 that was like both Zone of Enders games. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. And so I finally played through them and I super enjoyed them. It was like I, I anytime I can find like a, a mecha game that I haven't played, I'm like on it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to try that. So it was really cool to go back and play Zone of Enders having having never played it and knowing so little about it. But the mecha designs in that game are just just killer. They're so good. Also, I feel as if we need to give a shout out as well. All the mecha fans out there, if you've not watched DreamWorks' Voltron, it's like the first Western property oh, to like great. do to yep. do anime mecha like so well, like yeah, and like they, the teamwork. Really well, yeah, yeah. So uh, I also recommend, uh, in terms of uh, Western mecha, um, there's a, a series from Rooster Teeth called Genlock. Um, oh yeah. And- Genlock is really good. Uh, really kind of a slow burn mecha show where they really focus on like building the mecha and building the team. Um, but it has a really interesting kind of gimmick where the pilots aren't inside the mecha. They're controlling them from like a little station nearby. So it's almost like VR. Like they go into VR and they're controlling the mecha. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, so it's a really interesting kind of gimmick, um, but the mecha designs are really cool. Uh, each mecha on the team, like, they all start out the same, but then mm-hmm. as the series goes on and they develop their, like, distinct sort of fighting styles, they all get, like, different upgrades and, like, end up looking to- totally different, even though they all start out with the same, like, design. It's really Load cool. Up. That is yeah. cool. So 
before we I bore Leon to death because this is the only time that this is ever going to happen. <laughs> Sorry, Leon. Uh, um, thank you very much, Matt. Um, we do have a a um, a section that we always do with all our guests um, called the deck of many things, which is what we do before we say goodbye. The deck of many questions. Yeah, Sorry. the deck of many questions. Yeah, the deck of many questions. Um, would you be happy to participate in that? A lot of the the, the things are going to be geared more towards like 5e and stuff but if you would like to change it to be mecha hack or something else uh we'd be very no. uh, happy for you to do that no let's do it let's uh whatever you guys normally do okay so welcome back everybody matt's going to take part in our segment our penultimate segment the deck of many con uh the, the, the deck of many questions fucks you up <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not editing that's staying no, in that's staying in yeah, so the deck of many questions is our fan suggested like question segment where we randomly decide using I think we've got a, a hundred now or seventy five we've got so far. So we roll some dice and we ask our guests and sometimes ourselves, but because we're um, short for time, we're going to ask Matt uh, today about uh, what said. We say who submitted it, and if you would like to uh, submit your own questions. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, the comments down below. Let us know what you want people, uh, what you want people to answer. It can be spicy, mild, whatever you want, and we will do <laughs> our best. Um, and if you want to see Matt on again, show him some love, give us some uh, uh, interaction, and hopefully we can get him back on again and continue this uh, fantastic conversation and uh, keep going. So. Let's have a look at today's question. Uh, Leon, would you generate a, a number for us, please? I have. Um, what I've done is I've just kept it to the new question. So between um, 43 and 75, because I think mm -hmm. we've pretty much answer, answered all of the old questions. Yeah. So I have typed that into Google, who has given us a random number generation of 46. So, Matt... Our question for you on the deck of many questions today is, what is your favourite monster? It's going to be oh. D&D, &D, uh, Pathfinder, whatever. Just tell us where it's from and explain it. This is so easy. This is like the easiest question you could ask me because I, I literally have this monster tattooed on my body. It is a permanent, <laughs> it's a permanent <laughs> thing. Uh, my favourite monster is and has always been the owl bear. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I just I love I love the owlbear I love the look of it I love the design of it um, it's such a weird like it's just so indicative of the like the style of D&D &D and like early D&D &D where they were like f designing monsters by just like buying toys at the dollar store and being like what is this what's this one let's make a rust monster let's make an owlbear um, and so I really, I've always loved owlbears. And so I actually, on my right forearm, I, I have a big uh, owlbear tattoo. So that was that was the easiest question you could have asked me. Oh, that's that's sick. Like, uh, I also love the fact that the owlbear is a threat. Like, I'll owlbear my party. Like, people say yeah, that. I'm like, hey, but you would expect it to be this cute little, um, this, this like koala-sized bear that has some owl features, but no. No, if no. you encounter one of those in the wild, you're losing an arm at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. I uh, I played in a campaign once, and the the GM knew that how much I loved owlbears, and so he dropped an owlbear on us as an encounter. But it was a flying owlbear, and uh, <laughs> it ripped it ripped my arm off. It actually it actually ripped my character's arm off, and it was so traumatizing because I was like oh, an owlbear, and then it was like <laughs> and, like my arm's gone, and I'm like ah. <laughs> so I, yeah, it's they're they're terrifying. They really are. Yeah, they 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 get like how many attacks they get? They get three. They get like so they just deal out damage and they're so they're so savage. So yeah, that's yeah, that's they great. really are. Uh, so uh, before we say thank you to Matt uh, for coming on today and talking to us, uh, we know it's been a bit of a shorter episode, but uh, we've got other things that uh, we need to do. Like Matt's. Uh, been very kind to lend us some time he's he's got things he needs to do so uh we'd just like to say thank you very much for listening um if you wish to submit a question to the deck of many questions please follow us on instagram twitter um on uh youtube here uh even bother our friends like uh about uh, about us so the flickering torch 
maybe not Potomac so much. Um, <laughs> like, but uh, bother our friends, let them know uh, that you want to see them on our channel again or for the first time, and we'll bring them on and we will let uh, everything uh, play out and hopefully have a great time whilst doing it. So, Matt, I have managed to curb my excitement tell you how much i want to uh run a stream of mecha hack um I'll, I'll come back to you for some assets and some ideas of how how Absolutely. i should do this um and i hope that we can keep this great relationship going in the future um Absolutely. but i would just like you to have this platform now to maybe plug whatever you want say whatever you want um just this is your moment now. You get to plug whatever you want and we will hopefully get it out there to people. Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, so first off, just thank you guys for having me on. This has been great. Uh, really no, great chatting welcome. with you. you and I, I, Yeah, and I'd love I'd love to come back on sometime and, and talk about the next thing. Maybe when Harbinger is happening, I can come on and talk about that. But uh, I'll let Leon uh, lead on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the uh, the Mecha Hack Mission Manual Kickstarter, uh, it's going for actually 36 more hours right now as of this recording. So um, if you're able to get to it and pledge, uh, that's great. If you miss out on the Kickstarter, though, we are going to be putting the pledge manager up in January and we're going to be accepting late pledges. So don't fret too much. If you missed out on the Kickstarter, you'll be able to nab your books uh, in the early new year as well. So that'll be good. Um, and uh, yeah, just check out AbsoluteTabletop.com for some of our other products. Uh, we also have all of our products on DriveThruRPG as well. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter at MattClick, M-A-T-T-C-L-I-C-K. And I'm fairly active on there and do a lot of mecha shit posting and, and uh, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. So definitely check check me out. So. Unfortunately, the Craig bot that we used to record this episode decided to cut off the last 15 seconds of the episode. So instead of Addison saying goodbye to you, it's going to be Leon saying goodbye to you. So as Addison says, wherever you are, whenever you are, peace. <laughs>